Welcome to Time Traveling Team, the weekly podcast where we review every story of Doctor Who right from the very beginning. I'm Paddy. And I'm Trisha. In today's Rambo in the TARDIS, we take a look back at the third Doctor's time in the TARDIS. We'll be talking about his strengths and weaknesses and also discussing his best and worst stories. We'd also love to hear your thoughts on the third Doctor, as to what your favourite stories were. And to join the discussion, you can check us out at Time Team, that's T-I-M-E-T-E-A-M-P, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us at timetravelingteam at teamproductions.com. So... So... The end of an era. Yes, the the end, definitely the end of an era, and with my with my memories as to what's to come, it actually mm. does feel like there is a tonal shift, like a, a tonal shift as each Doctor takes over in in terms of how the show goes. Yeah, definitely, and particularly in this case because we're, you know, we didn't really touch on it, but like we are going to be having a change in producers. Mm-hmm. Um, so Barry and Terence are on their way out mm-hmm. as producer and, and, and script editor and Bob Holmes and Philip Hinchcliffe are on their way in. Yeah. So there's going to be another shift from that perspective. So it'll be interesting times ahead. But mm-hmm. for now, we must talk about the times that have just gone by. <laughs> so as always, we start this off by talking about the Doctor's weaknesses, then go into their strengths. Then we talk about their high there are low points so the stories that we think they did the worst in so we usually go mm-hmm. three two one three being the least worst and then one being the worst worst and then yeah. we do <laughs> the best stories which obviously is three two one and one being the best best yes so who who shall start off talking about his weaknesses i don't know i don't know do you want to go first i'll go first okay <laughs> I think one of the main weaknesses for this doctor, mm-hmm. and I have a few, but one of the main ones is the way he treats those around him who he sees as undermining his work. Mm. We see this, even when they're trying to help, we see this most prominently with Joe. Mm. And while he does grow beyond it and he develops a great relationship with her, it does pop back up every now and again, and we do also see it in his treatment of others, like the Brig, and pretty much anyone who's interrupting him. Mm-hmm. Do you know, sort of gets short shrifted, and you know, there's this constant exasperation and like this feeling as if he's talking, like, "Oh, I have to like explain this to you, don't I?" Mm-hmm. For fuck's sake! Like, and he. It goes away over time, I suppose, but it is constantly there in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, this sort of superiority complex, as such, um, which you know has never really been a distant thing for the Doctor. I think it's just much more prominent with the Third Doctor than we've seen with the others. Mm. In terms of other weaknesses, I have three big ones from my point of view. The first one is his hypocrisy. <laughs> He is such a hypocrite. Mm. I think the biggest contrast where we see this is his treatment of the Sea Devils versus the Silurians. Yeah. And, and we've talked about the comparison between those a lot. Um, you know, what he did to the Sea Devils is literally the same as what the Brig did to the Silurians. Mm-hmm. The Brig was treated as if he was shit on your shoe. Yeah. And yet you then go off and do that behavior yourself. And to be honest, his treatment of the Brig in general sort of highlights his hypocrisy mm-hmm. you know he constantly rags on the brig for using militaristic solutions the brig is in the military what the fuck do you expect him to do while still working for Eunice yeah. and using their resources for his own projects even after you know, and even after he gets full working knowledge of how to pilot the TARDIS again like. yeah he still stays with Eunice says he's their scientific advisor he presumably gets paid Mm. um you know and he uses their equipment and yet he belittles and degrades what they do and how they do it yeah guns blazing isn't always the right solution that is very true but i think what we've seen with previous doctors is an understanding of when the military code is necessary Mm. And an acknowledgement of that. And we rarely ever get that from this doctor. Which is going to be an interesting comparison. And another example of his hypocrisy. When I get to one of his strengths. Later on. Mm. 
I think his second weakness is his jealousy. Um, there's one story in particular where this, where this comes out, but it was such a big thing. The way he treated Joe in The Green Death was fucking ridiculous. Mm. You know, getting jealous because she's paying attention to somebody else, constantly trying to get her attention back on him. And again, having no regard for the fact that this woman has a job, dude. Like, you can't just up and lift her whenever you want to. Um, I think the last one, it kind of goes back around to that main weakness again in terms of how he treats the people around him. He has this singular focus, which at times is incredibly helpful, but it does make him ignorant to his friends, their safety, and their concerns. And now, these are his weaknesses. I'm not saying this is the way he is all the time, but these are the things that we see sort of cropping up over and over for him. And usually whenever we have a bad thing to say about him, in my opinion, it's one of those four. Hmm. How about you? So, um, I, yeah, no, I'm kind of with you on a lot of stuff. Like, you know, the, the fucking the patronizing attitude he has, like his elitism, like hmm. like towards, you know, Joe at the start, you know, like, I need a scientist, like, you know, to help me with my work, not just some fucking rando type thing, you know? Hmm. Um like there's also like a slight chauvinism to him at times, which is fucking mm. kind of irritating. I'm not a fan of the way he belittles or ignores his companions' emotions. Um, yeah. be it like Sarah, like you know, like, as you kind of said, like you know, Sarah Jane with like her being concerned of his uh, death, Joe with her superstition, like you know, the way he, he mm. mocked her about that. I wasn't a big fan of fucking fan of that. Um. And I guess, completely not caring that Liz has been kidnapped. Yeah, like especially you know, when he when he has a hand in like, like when he is responsible for the point of their emotions, like you know, mm. it's like take some fucking responsibility. Um, the hypocrisy, yeah, no, definitely, it's it's annoying to fuck like, or the whole thing of like you know, as you said, like the I don't like the militaristic option. Yes, you seem to have no problem shooting ogrons for some fucking reason. Yeah. Um. One big standout is I am not a fan of this uh, the trillers in the chase never the capture mentality he has towards the master. Oh yeah. Like that. Mm. I, I'm like, I'm sorry man, like, but like, just like in the ter- like, Terror of the Autons it, there's, he's a fucking psychopath and yet you have this mm. casual smile, especially with the fact that he fucking lured you to kill an innocent man. Well, Yates, like, yeah. but that type of shit. So it's, I, they, I think they did, really did go for the whole Moriarty and Holmes type thing because Holmes at times can be a very fucking arrogant character. And I think mm. the Doctor has a level of arrogance to him, as well as all these other, excuse me, weaknesses that we've just got hiccups called out. Mm. So those would be my kind of major ones, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's not that these that these come up all the time, no, but, but if we have to pinpoint them, they're they're there, like you know, they're they're there, yeah, yeah. But then we have his strengths, though. Absolutely. So I have four. Uh, I have one, two, three. I think I've got three major ones. Well, I've got I've got three major ones. I got one small one. Okay. Um. So my three major ones are. His scientific mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I have that. Like this thing, the the scientific acumen and the preference of the scientific or the diplomatic approach mm. prior to the violent yeah. approach. Unless it's Ogrons. His compassionate nature for the most part. Yeah, I've got that as well. <laughs> and this is where the hypocrisy comes back around again. His willingness to get stuck in physically. Uh... No, I have that as part of he only uses violence as a violence as a fallback after the diplomatic and scientific mm. solution has done. But his loyalty and his compassion towards his companions. Like mm. there are times like you know, reassuring Joe in the time monster. Which mm. kind of struck a chord with me because mm. I went through something in my life that really fucked with my head. You were with yeah. you were witness to it. Mm-hmm. And I <laughs> It's just kind of weird, like, especially we did uh, kind of Buddhism. And I, was like, I was speaking to someone that is a Buddhist and they kind of helped me get through. They helped me like deal with this kind of stuff to the extent that like I still kind of call upon that. So that mm-hmm. aspect of that relationship with Joe, the time monster, really struck a chord with me. So mm-hmm. I like that component. Yeah. 
So, like, going down through them again, just in a bit more detail. So, his scientific mind, mm-hmm. like, all the doctors have a scientific mindset. Yeah. Right? But this doctor is really the MacGyver mm-hmm. doctor in many ways. Like, I'm still thinking of the time monster and that thing he built with the cups and yeah. the forks and <laughs> whatever. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's awesome to watch. You know, it's awesome to watch someone look at something and say, I can build something to fix this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, let me look at the panel or, you know, whatever. And that it's great to watch that because we got it a little bit with the others, but with um, Hartnell, it was more observatory. Mm-hmm. You know, he would observe and he would maybe work with what was there. Um, Patrick, you know, we saw the introduction of the Sonic Screwdriver, so there was a little bit more tinkering with Patrick. Mm-hmm. But it's really come to the fore now with John. Yeah. I'd agree. Like I said, he's like the MacGyver doctor yeah. in a way. Or even like if you go to the Silurians when he's like there hashing out every possible fucking chemical compound to work on a cure. Yeah. And like I said, we got bits of that with Hartnell and, and with um Troughton as well, still remembering Hartnell's checklist. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. Um But I think I think with John it just it went to that next It went to the next level. It went to that next level. Yeah. Um, it's the James Bond aspect great. of the whole thing as well, I think. Yeah. Did you have anything else to add on his scientific prowess? Not really, like, I suppose, because if you think about it, there's, like, loads of examples of it. Like, we talked about, Mm. uh, like, you, okay, obviously there was the big one of the Time Monster, but then if you think about Mm. going back to, what is it, even Time Monster, proper MacGyver Mm. shit there, you know? uh, The Time Warrior, sorry. Proper MacGyver shit there with the the slink bombs. Uh, The invasion of the dinosaurs, the fucking stun gun that he Mm. was trying to build. Um... Even Spearhead. Yeah, absolutely. Like so straight away. Um working with this and that. Yeah, so it it's there, like it's in there in spades. For his compassion, I do think it's a strength. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, you know, he has a, a tendency to become singularly focused, which comes across as him not being compassionate mm-hmm. to his companions and stuff and being not being aware of how he's hurting them or like the impact he's having on them. But for the most part he is a very compassionate person. He's very willing and able to defend the oppressed. Mm-hmm. Like we saw it in the monster of Peladon the other week. Yeah. The way he was with Gebek mm-hmm. and whatever, even in fucking uh, death of the Daleks, the way he was with, um, Oh, Oh, what's Bilal. his name? Bilal. So he is very compassionate and very, and even like we were saying, you know, in spiders, he immediately cottons on to Tommy. Mm-hmm. Joe, you know, he doesn't treat him any differently just because everyone else is. Yeah. You know, and there there is a lot of compassion mm-hmm. in him. Which again, we've had compassion from other doctors as well, but I think there's something about John, like when he's being compassionate, because he's compassionate and playful and it just comes across as very genuine. I th- I think what it is as well is that it might just be like his his phys- physical presence as well, like because he's taller than most people in the, in the show that he interacts with. So yeah. is that there is that sort of like it's not overbearing, but it's pro- this protective type thing, especially when you know, he would have to lift Joe's face to look at him. Yeah, in the sense of like I'm here to protect you type thing. So mm. yeah, there is there is that level of it. Yeah, very much so. Um. Then I had his willingness to get stuck in physically, mm. which kind of ties in a bit to the hypocrisy piece I mentioned earlier. Yeah. He's not against violence. Mm. He's against guns. Except all guns. But like he except against all guns. He's willing to whip out that Venusian Aikido mm. pretty much all the time. Someone comes running at him and there's a hand up, that hand will be grabbed and that person will be flipped. Yep. <laughs> like for the most part, I mean, while he does sometimes get beaten, and that's actually interesting to see, and we've said in stories that we kind of yeah. like that, which is a bit sadistic, but um, you don't have to worry about him getting into a fight, because you know he'll be able to hold his own. He may not win all the time, but he can hold his own. I don't think it's sadism. I think it's more like it's an appreciation that the character is fallible in both yeah. mentality and physical prowess. No. We're just saying that we like when he gets beaten. Sounds a bit sadistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's you know it's something that like, you know, we saw like with Hartnell his 
fighting prowess was kind of seen as a bit of a joke. Because, like... In the Romans, yeah, we, we, specifically. We see, yeah, because like, we see it only realistically twice. Once is in the rescue, which is a bit darker yeah. in, in tone. Yeah. And then there's the Romans, which is for a more comedic effect. Yeah. Um, with Troughton, we didn't really see him being physical, because that's what Jamie was for. Yeah. The only time we I, there is one element of uh, Tron uh, being physical, and it's mm. when the Yeti kills Captain Knight in Web of Fear, and Troughton just starts to fucking batter the Yeti, even though it's not effective. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's that's different. That's yeah, that's out of rage. That's a reactionary yeah. out of out of rage thing. Whereas John is just like, oh, we're going to fence. Cool. Or, oh, we're going to have like the Highland fisticuffs? the Highlanders Ooh. when he keeps bashing that poor fucker's head off the table. <laughs> Oh fuck it, yeah. yeah. Oh Jesus, I completely forgot about the Highlanders. Gotcha. Yeah. Um but basically with John it's a more natural it is, thing. Yeah. It's presented as being just part of who he is. Um and it is a strength because you, you do know that like, if he's stuck in a situation like that, he can at least hold his own. Yeah. Do you know, which mm. is good. Um you had a different third one. I did I did, and it's this it's this wonderful charm. And it's part of John mm. it's part of John. It's John's inherent charming nature. You can't help but be drawn to. And it's it's mm. it's great when you know, he has like wordplay or banter with some of the villains. Like Iron Gron is a great example. Mm. That um, at times the master, when, yeah. when, like depending on the scenario, his repertory will he repertory with the, but like even not even going with villains. Like when he first meets Liz, like like mm. that is a fucking fantastic sequence in Spirit from Space. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, where like his interactions with like even like you know, the brig when the brig is pissed off at him it's like it's just wonderful or mm. uh monster peladon recently enough you know with alpha centauri and gebek it's just like this wonderful charm he's he's mm. like he's the flame that all the moths go to essentially you know so mm. it's this that is that's another strength i think is just this affable nature mm. he has so my last one my small one mm-hmm. that was sort of not really a strength but just a little bonus he introduced us to the Venusian lullaby, which I love. <laughs> Harun. I, I love it. Like if I can't sleep, I sing that in my head. Aww. Aww. <laughs> which, which sounds really sad, saying it out loud. <laughs> well, but it helps. Well, like, fuck it. It's not the weirdest thing I've ever heard someone do in order to get to sleep. <laughs> oh, Christ. Um... Cool. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I make you feel better, right? The what I when I couldn't fall asleep, I used to. One of my movies that I love is How the West Was Won, and there's a great chase sequence mm-hmm. in it. And at one point, a wagon tips over and it rolls around, and there's guys in the wagon, and they roll down the hill, and they you know end up being unconscious at the end of it. But I couldn't fall asleep. I imagined myself being one of those guys tumbling around in my bed. And wherever I wherever I naturally landed, that is where I would try and fall asleep. And it always worked. So, yeah. Who's the weirdo now? <laughs> it was always you. like. <laughs> Thanks. That last time I tried to make you fucking feel better, buddy. <laughs> uh, so... Uh-huh. Going on now to the, se- the next part of the rambling, which is discussion of the stories. <laughs> oh, go yeah! So we <laughs> go back to your space helmet for a cow. <laughs> we come to the worst stories. <laughs> So myself and Trish each pick three stories that we that we think uh, that we think are the weakest of that particular doctor's run. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't agree. So while Trish is recovering, I will go to my three, two, one first. So from worst to best, or sorry, from best worst to worst. In number three, I have the demons. Mm-hmm. Number two, I have the sea devils. And number one, I have Terror of the Autons. Okay. Is... I have one of those in Kaplanonte. Okay. So, what have you got? In number three, I have the Ambassadors of Death. Mm-hmm. 
And number two, I have Terror of the Autons. Mm-hmm. And number one, I have The Green Death. All right. Sea Devils is an honourable mention, though. I think Ambassadors is an honourable mention for me as well. Hmm. Uh, so you said your, was it, Autons is number two, yeah? Yes. So what would, how do you want to do this? Uh, Why don't you do, because Autons is one for you, it's right? It's number one for me, yeah. So why don't you do your three, two, one, and then I'll do mine. Okay. Or we'll, we'll discuss like we'll discuss autons together. Okay. So the the demons. While I suppose outwardly it is a good story for the Doctor in terms of like you know facing the overwhelming power and stuff like that. Mm. I I don't think it's a great story for how he interacts with Joe. Mm. And it's it's hypocritical in nature as well, because he's Joe is a superstitious person as we as is evidenced. Yet the Yet the doctor seems to be happy to take the piss out of her frequently in it. Mm. But then when Mrs. Hawthorne, who is like the white witch of the area, he's perfectly respectful to her. Mm. As like, this isn't like, and it's not even like it's friend banter. Like at times it feels fucking mean, you know? Yeah. There's also the fact as well that he has routinely set an example of fucking back chatting to the brigadier. Or mm. bitching about the brigadier to other people. Mm. When Joe like makes a statement that is in line with the doctor's normal way of thinking, he fucking berates her for it, like saying that he's your superior. It's like she just said the exact same thing you would have said if she hadn't said it. Yeah. That like like so I'm calling bullshit on that aspect of it. Mm. And it really wound me up. And like there's also the thing of where she, Joe fucking risks her life to save him. Mm. I don't think he even properly acknowledges it to, to us as the viewer. Yeah. So like that fucking annoyed me. Um, number two, we have the Sea Devils. And again, everything up until the last episode is what I would consider to be a good John performance. Barring the sword fight in the middle, which is slightly entertaining, but you fucking mm. beat the psychopath, don't show off. Yeah. This isn't, you know, Wesley versus Inigo Montoya. This is mm. like, you know, the guy is fucking dangerous. You have beaten him. Stop showboating. The main thing, though, is the fucking end of it when he condemns the Sea Devils to death. And he doesn't like, he, 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 he says that he's to the master, I've set their base up to explode. Why, in any other scenario, I feel like the doc, any doctor would have said, oh, this is what I've done. You have five minutes to fucking get out. And Jesus Christ, yeah. in later on down the line, during the moder- during the revival era, there's a fucking group of villains that are way worse than the Sea Devils. And the doctor gives them the courtesy of, you've got a few minutes to get out of here. Yeah. So that really, really fucking annoyed me. Like it, everything felt like such a redemption in terms of a story for the Silurians. And mm. he fucking, he brings it then at the end, like, you know. Yeah. And then we have Terror of the Autons, where I think he's just a fucking big, he's a prick in it. Like, he's obnoxious mm. to Joe multiple times throughout it. Like, he belittles her constantly. Mm. And... Like, it's like it like again. It just really annoys me. Plus the end as well. You have just seen an innocent man be killed, and you smile at the person that fucking caused it. Mm. As as they escape. Mm. No, like, <laughs> like I, I'm sorry. Like the it's the you know the thrillers and the chase fucking thing. No, it's it's not like he robbed a bank and got it the better of you. It's it's not mm. like he took. He caused someone like he he or he orchestrated someone's fucking death by the hands of you and yours, and you fucking smiling about it at the end as he escapes. No, I'm just no. So yeah, I don't like Terror of the Autons. Yeah. So my three. So I will say that Sea Devils was an honorable mention for the exact same reason that you said. Mm-hmm. Um, his behavior at the end is ridiculous. 
and the hypocrisy involved in it is an absolute joke. Mm-hmm. However, I went with ambassadors mm-hmm. because it was the first time in my recollection, and I may be, I may be remembering this wrong, but it's definitely the first time in a long time, we had seen the doctor not immediately try to rescue his friends or be worried about his friends being rescued. Yeah, because like the, the only other time that that just springs to mind is the crusade. Mm. And yeah. that's because he knows that he can't risk upsetting history, but he allows, mm. e, but he, the same way he allows Ian to, yeah, to go. Like it was, yeah, it was, they needed to find her. Yeah. He, he was desperate to find her. Yeah. But they're in dangerous lands. They needed support. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. King Richard was. Whatever. But like, I know, I remember our discussion about this aspect in like ambassadors. And it was like, I think there was like, I think he was trying to rationalize that, that he, maybe he felt that they were bluffing. But again, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, bu- it's bullshit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like his assistant mm-hmm. or his colleague mm-hmm. or his friend I, whatever i would say friend at this point like disappeared mm-hmm. okay so initially she disappeared she said she was going somewhere to meet the brig we find out the brig wasn't didn't call her at all and she went missing and not only is he not immediately out searching for her trying to use whatever means necessary to find her but fucking tracking bessie for fuck's sake Mm-hmm. Right, because she she drives off in Bessie, if I remember correctly. Yep. Doesn't Bessie have a tracker? Couldn't he track Bessie to try and figure out what was going on? Like, not only does he not do that, right? He's not uh, hounding the brig constantly, being like, "Where the fuck is she? Have you found her yet?" When he eventually finds out where she is, which is like an entire episode later or something, mm-hmm. he is literally told, "Stop doing what you're doing." Or we will kill her. And it immediately, without a single pause, what does he do? He continues doing what he was doing. Knowing that there is at least one spy in the base. And knowing that people have been coming in and coming out of the base. That they've known their troop movements the whole time. He still kept doing what he was doing. Mm. He didn't do anything to try and trace the call. He didn't do anything to try and find out where Liz was. She escapes herself, like, twice, before he finally gets captured and brought to her. And then it's treated as if nothing ever happened. Mm. It's like, dude, if I was Liz, I would brain you like there was no tomorrow. He's like, and it comes across as extremely callous. Mm. Do you know? Oh, well, they said they'd kill her if I kept doing it. But, like, you know, this is more important. It's like, no doctor would ever do that. Yeah. Before that moment. Like, Troughton wouldn't have. And even when Troughton, like, we had discussed that Troughton had some moments, particularly with Jamie, where, like, he you, was not playing. He, used he was not playing ball. No. Do you know, he was using him. You know, Hartnell was a callous asshole at the start. But, like, to find out if you keep doing this thing, I'll kill your friend. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure, whatever. And just keep doing it without, no, I'm sorry. It's just like, it's probably one of the most undoctored things I've ever seen the doctor do. Hmm. So that's why ambassadors picks the post for me. Yeah. Like I was, I was back and forth between the demons and the ambassadors. Hmm. And I just like, I, there are aspects of, I, I, I think it's just by virtue of the fact that you, like when he does meet Liz, and like when the times when he mm. is meeting Liz, like he doesn't treat her like shit. Yeah, like and um, but that that's actually what makes it worse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you know? Um, what so because she's, you know, a scientist, you you don't have to worry about her. Like what? Um, and the thing is, like with Joe, is that his his demeaning of Joe never to his knowledge puts her in danger mm, not that i can think of off the top of my head no yeah it's cruel 
and he shouldn't do it. And I'll get to it in a second because I've got Tower of the Autons up next on my list. Yeah. But it never puts her in danger. Yeah. This did. This could have killed her. Yeah. And he seemingly didn't care. And then to top it all off, he swans in and just takes over everything and he's like, oh yeah, that's fine. He's like, fuck off. Um, I had terror in the two spots, pretty much everything you mentioned. Mm-hmm. The way he treats Joe is an absolute joke. It's ridiculous. She does not deserve it. Um, his assumptions that he makes just on meeting her, like, she sees smoke, thinks there's fire, puts out what she imagines is a fire, mm-hmm. and immediately he lambasts her. Like. He makes he he lambasts her. He assumes she's the tea lady. He assumes she has no scientific knowledge whatsoever, all purely by looking at her. Mm. And like, this is the doctor judging a book by the cover. What? Like, what? <laughs> like. Vicky was a child. Mm-hmm. She was like, what, 15, 16 years old. And he treated her with kindness, mm-hmm. even though she was lambasting Barbara for you know, <laughs> shooting her dog or whatever. He treated her with kindness and with patience. Mm-hmm. And with Joe, it was, well... Liz was super intelligent. You're a fucking moron. So, but see, but this is also the weird thing is like because he doesn't treat fucking super intelligent people all that well either because he's very fucking antagonistic to Zoe. Yeah, like Liz is probably the only person. Like he gets along well with Sarah Jane, mm-hmm. but she does. She like she's intelligent in her own way, not mm-hmm. in the same way as him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like with Zoe, it's a very you know one-upmanship. Yeah. In, in several cases, literally, we're not manship. Um, but with Liz, like, you know, they had this camaraderie and this companionship. Um, that I mean, yeah, it sucks to lose that, but don't take it out on the next poor person, yeah, who has to take care of you. Like, mm-hmm. and like, the fact that he makes her carry his pass, yeah, you know, like, what the hell, um. So we tower like Tara was next, and the bit at the end, like his whole thing with the master as well. I could put all the master episodes on here to be honest, because, like, I get you don't like violence, and whatever, but at the same time, mm-hmm. the master tried to kill you several times, tried to kill your friends several times, and in Tower of the Autons, did both of those things: tried to kill the Doctor and tried to kill his friends, tried to take over the world. And like you said, set up someone to die in cold blood mm-hmm. in front of everybody. And you smile as if you won this round. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't a game of chess. And I know that per- 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 person was, was Michael Wisher, but no, fuck it, he still doesn't deserve it. Like. No. No. Um, and lastly, I had the Green Death. And the reason why I put the Green Death is... The way he treats Joe in Terror of the Autons is unforgivable, mm. in my opinion. But the way he treats her in the Green Death shows a different side to the Doctor that's a bit creepy in the extreme. He acts as if she's this toy that he has that nobody else is allowed to play with. Mm. Do you know? How upset he gets that she won't go to Metabilis with him. Even though, A, she has a job. Mm. She can't just swan off whenever you want to go to another planet. That is not the way jobs work. I know he's not good at having them. That is not the way they work. And then the way he tries to get in the way of her and Cliff Mm. is just like, dude, what the hell? Like, you don't have a romantic connection with her. You also don't get to take up all of her time. Like, what are you and what is she to you in this moment? Mm-hmm. And I just think that for the document, like, there's some good moments in that story as well. But like, for the doctor to 
treat someone he's come to care about in that way mm. deliberately. It's not like he's doing it without realizing it. Do you know? Mm. He's doing it on purpose. Yeah. No. He is deliberately watching them together and then trying to separate them. And then, like, the departure at the end is very sad. He doesn't even stay for the toast mm. or for the party. He just leaves. Yeah. That's ridiculous. You're, she's still your friend. She's confined to this planet. You can contact her whenever you want. Mm. Why are you acting like someone who had his best toy taken away from him? Or, like, it's it's weird because, like, there's that element and there's also, like, an element of a jealous ex when it's, like, but you were never together in that fucking regards. Like, so it's it's weird. Yeah, I mean, that would be, like, I mean, it, it would be, like, if, you know, I went to your wedding mm-hmm. and I left before the vows. Yeah. With this fucking sad look on my face because, oh, no, Paddy has a wife and... Uh, yeah. yeah. No, you're still my best friend. Yeah. Like, that didn't change. Yeah, exactly. Like. And yeah, now you live further away from me than you did before, and you don't drive, you bollocks. <laughs> but I can drive to you. Yes, you have the TARDIS. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You physically can't. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Do you know? And, like, there's separate things with that story and the way they treated Joe, because that was also my least favourite joe story which is unfortunate it's their it's their last story together Mm. and what's worse is that we had the same thing with joe their first and last stories together yeah made both worst stories list for me Mm. which is sad yeah because it also really sounds like i don't like john and i do i love i I love the third doctor great um but there are some things he does where i'm like that mm, no yeah like he he has flaws like any like any of the ones that we've talked about flaws like like yeah. Christ, this is our third Doctor rambling, and we've had weaknesses for each of them, like you know. Yeah, but I think a lot of John's centered just around his treatment of other people. Yeah, absolutely. But ending on a high. Yes, we've had our worst stories. Now we're on to our best stories. Yes. So I'll do my three, two, one. Okay. I'll just name them out, and you can see which ones you have. So. In my number three position, in the bronze position, mm-hmm. I have Inferno. Right. In the silver position, I have Planet of the Spiders. Mm-hmm. And in the gold position, I have the Sailorians. I have two and a half of those. <laughs> two and a half? Yes. How do you have a half? <laughs> Did it's... you have four? That's not fair. You no, have no, four. I, I have two and a half. So in my bronze position, there is Planet of the Daleks. Ah. There's the half. <laughs> or technically three quarters because it's like planet of the... Yeah. <laughs> uh, my second position, I have Doctor Who and the Silurians. Mm-hmm. And in my number one position, I have Inferno. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, How do you want to do this stuff? So... How about you go first since it goes Inferno into Inferno? If you go first. Okay. So, all right. I pl- so, planet of the Daleks. Like we talked about it like it was like i think it surprised both of us that it's an absolute mm. fucking belter of a story like yeah. it's fu- like for a six-parter which we've said can be be there could be issues around six-parters it's just fucking start to finish addiction to it it is brilliant mm. pacing wise fucking excellent story wise excellent supporting cast ex- the whole lot it's brilliant but the doctor's performance it's I suppose like it's it, the reason it's in it because it's everything you love about the doctor, mm. his concern for Joe, like fucking trying to like find out where is she when he thinks that she's blown up. Granted, mm. though he kind of, we we kind of I think we rationalize it that he compartmentalizes shit really quickly. Yeah, but he's devastated by her loss. He really is, mm. and to, and when he sees her again, there's the relief. His compassion for um, dude in cell with him. It's oh the guy yeah is it it's Cabor I think Sabor mm. whatever yeah. no Sabor was the guy from no, sorry Codal Codal that's what it was it's Codal and I'm no and the other guy I'm thinking of is it's Vabor who is the fucking mm. 
uh, guy. It's uh, it's Cuddle. Cuddle is terrified of facing his death, and the doctor puts him at his ease. He he does the very thing for him here that Kempo does, you know, for the yeah. doctor later on. Um, his the with Wester, like you, know, there's like that. <laughs> There's an unspoken gratitude for Wester's help. And that when mm. Wester dies, I suppose there's that, that sense of loss as well. Mm. Um it's and like there's obviously there's a science element, you know, of trying to like how do you fucking brain fry a Dalek with only a tape recorder, some scotch tape and a fucking <laughs> and a, like a lead pencil, you know, but that's how they managed to do it. So like I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really, really solid performance from John. Mm. He like dominated every scene that he was in. With Doctor Who and the Silurians, this, like, doing this in Inferno, it was, it could have gone mm-hmm. one of two ways. Uh, but I went with Silurians because <sighs> there's an element of stupidity to the Doctor in it. Because he fucking mm-hmm. sneaks off repeatedly without telling anyone where he's, where he's going. He is his own worst enemy in this fucking story, right? Mm. But what I love is this constant appeal mm. to the brigadier and the leader of the, the leader of the Silurians, for you know, it, um, it echoes a line from a movie that I really like called Zulu Dawn, which is like we are all blessed to live in this great land together. Surely to fucking God, you know, or surely not, to, surely to God we can all exist peacefully. Mm. And it's like that's what he's trying to do. There are areas of this planet that humanity cannot inhabit, but mm. you can. You know. If they go here, they will not bother you. Both species can live together in fucking harmony. Mm. And he knows that they didn't, like the leader didn't release the plague. He knows that it was a rogue element, which, and he does his best to fucking stop it. He does everything he can to save as many lives as he can in this. And at the end, his heartbreak, mm. it's like, like, it was a fucking stellar performance by John in that regard. But it's the compassion, it's the scientific first approach to everything i love and it's like even like when he first sees a silurian he doesn't recall in shock it's like are you a silurian <laughs> he goes to shake his hand um so you know plot, you know his interactions with liz and the brigadier and it's it's great like, it's just mm. really really good doctor stuff but inferno pips it to the post because while yes for the majority of the story he is in a parallel dimension mm. But the core essence of the Doctor is, it's not his dimension, but he wants to save the people there. He wants to stop the disaster. And the great tragedy of Inferno is, once it gets past that point of no return, once the Inferno world starts to die, he has to fucking, with his hat in his hand, ask these people to help him return to his world. And he he straight up tells him, I can't save you, but I still need your help. Mm. And like, get back to his own world to stop the disaster. Look, that's just the story of the week. But it's not. Try- it's not trying to escape and get home straight away. Mm. It's just trying to stay there to stop the disaster from happening. And he knows the odds are stacked against him because of the world that he that's there. It's like the fasc- It's the nationalist Britain. It's mm. fascist Britain. And he still fucking decides to try and stay and save him. Mm. And I think it's because of. Um, Oh, the fucking the engineer, the the driller, whose name oh, I can't yeah. remember, because he's the exact same in both worlds. Essentially, mm. I think it's him. He's that hope for humanity that he wants to try and save. Mm. And like it's you know it's a nice touch where at the end you know when um he comes back and he he finds out that Petra the the female scientist and him mm. have actually gone off together. He's like, well, you know, fuck it. If not there, then here. You know, yeah. um. So, yeah, no, I just thought that was, it, it was the essence of the Doctor. Try to save everyone, irregardless of who they are. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah, so I had Inferno in my three spot. I'll be honest, my three could, I've, I've had a couple of these before with characters where the three, mm. two, one can sort of swap and change depending on my given Oh, hugely. Like, I, I think Curse of Paladin was up there in terms of, like, mm. the, uh, like it was you know we talk, see this is the thing the tricky thing it's trying to distill the good performance from the good story you can have a yeah. great performance in a shit story kind mm. of like we talked about Hartnell with the, the massacre it's not a great Doctor Who story but Hartnell is great in it yeah, yeah. exactly so for me with Inferno 
Um, the reason why I put it in the three spot again, maybe it's because I watched Planet of the Spiders recently. Um, and Inferno is you know a bit further back in my memory, but for me, Inferno, everything you said is true. Hmm. I think the only thing that took from Inferno a little tiny bit Hmm. is because I agree with everything you said is the way he treats the brigadier when he returns at the end yeah this pompous self-importance this pompous self-important blah blah which is clearly a frustration that carried over from brigade leader Stuart yeah that he took out on brigadier Lethbridge Stuart who hadn't done fucking anything to him yeah um and the other thing as well is that like there is we do get a little bit of the doctor's self-importance in inferno um, you know, again, he's a guest at this mm-hmm. location, using their power for his own purposes. And while yeah, the leader is an absolute douche canoe, the doctor, you know, takes energy without permission, and he does he does all these other things that are sort of like that's naughty or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the the way he is in the parallel world, constantly trying to find the good, you know, not willing to give up on really anybody. Mm over there um and the fact that we find out later that that haunts him yeah that 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 was one thing i loved about the continuity of like because what what story was this like the first story he mentions it is the demons not the demons Mm. sorry mind of evil mind of evil and then he mentions it again or we see it again in the time monster Mm. the wonderful callback that that event still fucking haunts him yeah I think I think that's fabulous. I think it really stand that kind of stands to the story, but it also stands to the character and how yeah. the character reacted. And to um, to, to Barry as well, like, to the showrunner to keep that mm-hmm. fucking element going through. Like yeah, and like actually to that point, stepping aside for a moment, Barry did a great job at keeping the interconnectivity going. Mm. You know, it would have been nice if we had the odd mention of Liz sort of later on in the seasons. Yeah, you know. Um, but the fact that, like, you know, the callback to the Green Death with the crystal, the callback to um, Inferno, like, there's always these constant callbacks to things that have happened before. Um, the the master's relationship with Joe and, and stuff like that. It's 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 done really well. Just as a sort of side point. Oh there. No, yeah, because um, like I think like unlike previous like showrunners where unless it's the recurring villain, like you say, like Dalek mm-hmm. Invasion of Earth, oh, let's go back and watch the Daleks. Um, mm-hmm. Fucking Seeds of Death, oh, let's go back and watch the Ice Warriors type shit. Yeah. Whereas with Barry's tenure in the show, Ty, uh, you know, Time Monster, it's like, oh, I want to go back and watch um, Inferno, but then it's also referenced in Mind of Evil. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, I want to go watch you know, the rest of the entire fucking first season with Delgado because yeah. of that constant run through so yeah it's the yeah. continuity that makes you want to go back watch the entire run as opposed to just snapshots yeah and i suppose you know that for me culminates in planet of the spiders hmm. um planet i think you know we, we said it when we discussed it it's probably one of the best regeneration performances of the three yeah it's this it's a good performance what kicks it up to a great performance is the first scene with the great one. Mm. The no, I will not turn around. No, I will not. I will not. This constant battle of wills. Mm. The way he treats Tommy is great. We have the scientific component and this realization of oneself and the sacrifice of himself. And to be honest, he wasn't he didn't even know it wasn't even sacrificing himself to save everybody because he didn't know if it was going to work hmm. he was dead the minute he walked in that cave and he knew it and i suppose in one sense if you think about it he not only is he trying to fucking stop the queen like the queen's plan for success but it's like hmm. you'll die if you do this yeah like he was dead the minute he walked in there and because the great one says it it's like your cells are, are falling apart you're dying just by being here. Yeah. And he could have gone through all that for absolutely nothing. Yeah. Like, he could have died. The queen could have 
you know, the, the great one could have continued on with her work or whatever. But he still was willing to do it. And for me, I think that shows really how far that doctor had come. This jealousy, this greed for knowledge, this like hyper focus, this desire to have everything came back to bite him on the ass. And he had to own it and go and start for it. And like the insight we get into his past, the way he is with Kempo, all of it I just thought was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's the it's the greatest hits. Do you yeah. know? Um for me though, the the top one has to be Silverings. Um like I said I, I say the top it has to be. It has to be today. It could tomorrow could be Inferno. Um <laughs> but Everything about Silurians and the Doctor we see in that story is perfect. Even the flaws, like him constantly fucking off and not telling anyone where he's going, forcing Liz to lie for him. Hmm. It is the core of who that Doctor is. We actually see him worried for Liz this time around. (laughs) Um, Finding out that she's locked in a barn with a Silurian that could possibly try to kill her or whatever. Second best, um, bar- second best barn scene in Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, best barn scene still to come. Yeah. I think you know the way he's constantly trying to find a solution, and it coming up against the most pig-headed individuals. Hmm. But he's constantly looking for that best solution, and I think. This is really the thing. So there's a thing in the Sarah Jane Adventures. And I know Sarah Jane isn't in the story. But there's a thing in the Sarah Jane Adventures. um, Where Sarah Jane is a character. um, It's always presented that she always wants to find another way. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone dies, like if the villain dies, she gets upset. Mm -hmm. Because there should have been another way. Yeah. And it's sort of implied that she learned that from the doctor hmm. and while well, she's going to have more time with doc Tom and we'll see that come up with him a bit. This is the example of that coming up with John. Hmm. There has got to be a better way. Um, and like I said, the bit at the end is just soul crushing him trying so hard to figure out a cure and everything. I just, I just think it's fantastic. It's a fantastic performance. I think it's a fantastic story. I think it's a fantastic doctor present presentation. Mm. Um, but like to your point, you know, Planet of the Daleks is great as well. Mm. And and as I said there the other day, like that, John's arc in Planet of the mm. Spiders, which look, I said I have my issues with the story. His mm. arc is fantastic. Yeah. And like and again, like that would be like Going back to the ramblings for a doctor, it's a mm. fu- it's a fucking tough slog, because John mm. has twenty. Uh, no, he is. 20, he has five seasons. He has five seasons, but it's twenty four stories, right? Mm. That's twenty four stories to go back and reassess the notes for that individual, and then you have to fucking stack them, like categorize them. Mm. It's it's tough. Like Hartle had twenty nine, fucking Troughton had twenty one. Like we like we talked about Joe. Joe had fifteen stories, mm. and that was tough. That was ridiculously hard because of how good. There's some really good. Liz other, had four. Yeah, Liz had four. Like and that was just like thank, thank Christ that was easy. Well, it was easy in the sense that we just included all four, but yeah. ranking them was hard. Yeah, absolutely. And then, but like, because there's other. As I said, Curse of Peladon is another good front, uh, frontier in space. Jesus, like. That is also a great fucking doctor story. Constantly trying yeah. to get peace between two. The three doctors, yeah. was was also on my list. Um, Time Warrior was on my list mm-hmm. I, originally. You know, I said I'm a big fan of you know the um, Colony in Space because I quite like that. Um, yeah. yeah, there's there's elements here like, from lots of stories that could have made it, but there's there's something about that first season it's like of him it's just it's so fucking impactful like. yeah, yeah, spearhead was also on my list 
like yeah. spear okay so going down through ones that i was considering spearhead mm-hmm. was being considered um colony not so much for me yeah um mind of evil was kind of up there as well mm-hmm. again more so for the callback to inferno uh curse was up there uh time monster in some ways was up there three mm-hmm. doctors was up there uh frontier was up there planet was up there time warrior was up there mm-hmm. invasion of the dinosaurs was very good monster uh, monster was monster was fantastic like there were so many to choose from yeah and like i said if i was to do this list tomorrow it could it could change it could, it could be completely different yeah and like I, I suppose like see this is the thing where it's like sometimes us being complete like us being aligned on the stories while it's mm. fun yeah it, it can be kind of limiting to show like that there, there are other great fucking stories oh, yeah. There. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think the reason why you and I align so much is because we're very similar minded yeah. in, in many ways um, but but then you know, on the flip side in terms of worst episodes I mean there were some Doctor Clunkers in yeah. this you know we discussed Terror of the Autons we discussed mm-hmm. um, The Demons was on my list Day of the Daleks was on my list for a while. Yeah, uh, so I think that was just that was a poor story. But the way he was treating Joe was a bit shit. The mutants wasn't great either, from what I remember of him. The mutants wasn't a great story, but I think the Doctor was one of the things we liked in it. Um, yeah, one of the few things that we liked in it tough, was like yeah, was the Doctor. Um, you know, Time Monster had some interesting moments in it. Like, I mean, there's. I know Carnival of Monsters you weren't a big fan of story as a story, story as like yeah. it's trying to find that balance but I think I think for John I think you know we said it in in at the end of Planet of the Spiders he had 5 seasons 3 of those 5 we both had an average of above 4 your average never dropped below 3 hmm. that's a really good run I mean if we yeah. compare it back to Troughton whose average never hit four. Troughton didn't have a four Christ on average. Christ you're right. For Hartnell, he did. You know, his first season, you know, we gave a 4.16. His second season, oh, I was a 3.8, but you know, close enough. Whatever, his third season kind of went downhill. Um, but like, in terms of that sort of representation, John has done a really good season i suppose i'm gonna, I'm gonna put the question to you because we've asked this question before actually just sorry before you yeah. ask me that question uh hartnell's uh, third season could potentially mm-hmm. have been higher because technically speaking his final two stories are in season four which is Trump's first season and this we, is true we and they were both scored very high they were both scored very high so that's true because we i don't have the, uh, i should probably try and do this calculation sometime based on like run the as doctor's to, as average rather than season yeah. yeah um but that requires extra maths but, yeah. I'm not in the for. <laughs> but go on, ask the question so we've asked this on on previous uh ramblings mm-hmm. hartnell troughton pertwee what's your order <sighs> hartnell pertwee troughton i'm sad like prior to us starting the podcast i always said that my top five were four three one two and ten Okay. No, that has changed to be four one three. Mm. Two it wouldn't be in the top five anymore. I think like for me, I think when we got into John, mm-hmm. I think I was a bit critical of him, particularly his relationship with Joe. And I was like, is Pertwee or is Triton gonna be higher? I think John, though, he, he did cement that, that, that current second spot. Again, this is nothing against Troughton. He was I th- well. See, I think what it is is that I said before, I said like, I can't remember, yeah, we know I said it on this on this episode, mm-hmm. um, that the, to- the sh- there's a tonal shift when yeah. a new Doctor takes over. So the first Hartnell's thing was very much monster of the week type thing. Mm. Trown's stuff was again, it was a bit spookier in terms of its tone, but again, it was still very monster of the week. 
there was elements of who were his very monster of the week but for some reason and i think it was by virtue of the fact that the first two seasons of mm. pertwee's run he's earthbound for a lot of it so it mm. does feel like a typical science fiction show in the sense of like the setting is the same yeah like almost like you know like a deep space nine type fucking scenario mm. you know um and by virtue of that fact, it feels like there's a lot more character progression for John's Doctor than there was for the other guys. Like, we talked before about how Hartnell's character arc is the first three stories. It's mm. Or even the first four stories to a certain extent. Because after Marco Polo, he's he's more or less the Doctor that we know and love. Mm. Yeah? Um, whereas with Troughton's thing, there isn't a whole lot of like a character progression for him. So he's... I think the interesting thing about Troughton oh. is Troughton started off as this questioning, you know, those questions of trust. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. And interestingly, that question of trust kind of carries through because we see it crop up in the way that he uses Jamie from time to time. Mm. And it it's kind of this weird thread that goes mm. through. Whereas with Hartnell, it's a case of an old dog can learn new tricks. Mm-hmm. Do you know? It's this cantankerous old man learning to get on with the youngins. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, finding that there's more to life than just cataloging. Do you know that he can actually be part of it? And with John, it's this rediscovery of oneself. With with John, yeah, no, I agree with that. But with John, mm-hmm. there's, there's also this element of you fucking left Gallifrey for a reason. Yeah. yeah. And I think, especially when, I think Joe, his interactions with Joe kind of make him realise that he's becoming the thing, or he is the thing that he fucking went away from in the first place. Yeah, I'd agree. And like, no, again, look, there are like there are elements of Patrick Trotton that I fucking adore. That like, that oh, I just, but there are huge glaring issues there that when people use the first doctor as a fucking totem for like, oh, this is all the stuff that's bad. I'm like, switch it around. It's the second is way worse mm. in that department. Um, and like, and I was said, like he slipped out of my top five because like I quite like Jodie's run. I like mm. quite, and I've I'm a, I'm still a very big fan of David Tennant. But going back, my appreciation of people is going to completely change. Like yeah. for a long time. Christopher Eccleston Doctor was just like uh, it's the night Doctor he got the revival mm. ever going again but when I go back and I watch his performance I'm like he's fucking brilliant in that one well, he's season fantastic. he's in he's and, fantastic and, like, and I, like for me like I mean you said that like you know four was always your top I mean, he's mine as well and I was sort of saying to Paddy earlier that he now looks down at me from on top of my bookcase because I got this huge like extra large Doctor figurine from Eagle Moss which is really cool but I am curious his run is really long, and it's consistency. And I haven't watched all of it. Yeah, you have. You haven't. You haven't watched consistently past when Sarah James. Correct. Now I know I love that. I know I've always loved that run, but it's going to be very interesting, and I think it's going to be very interesting to hold him to the same standard that we held Hartnell, the same standard we held Troughton, and now the same standard that we've held Pertwee. Because, you know, Tom Baker wasn't perfect. <laughs> Doc Tom isn't perfect. He has his moments that are very annoying. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see. You know, like part of me, part of me thinks it would be the ultimate example of why us doing this podcast was the best idea ever. If Tom did lose his top spot to Hartnell, hmm. yeah. it would be the best representation of why we did this mm-hmm. if we realised after watching it all the way through do you know what Hartnell was actually the one that you know yeah we liked him but like he was never you know he was never the topic mm-hmm. and we actually went back and went actually do you know what he's he actually to- is he's top of the pile like he's number one for a reason <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um but do you know what? Those are conversations for future ramblings. Mm-hmm. We have rambled enough in this one, I think. And uh, was it at 
41 official stories, 42 if we're going to do Shadow, which I think we should, because it's now yes, we done. It's also included on the Blu-ray box, that's going to be watching in that order anyway. Yeah, at 42, it's going to be a very long fucking wait until we get to his rambling. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think with Tom, we're going to have to keep a running list. Hmm. I'm just like... Good story, bad story. Good story, story bad, bad story. story. Good story, story, bad story. Bad story. I've already had to start doing that for Sarah Jane because yeah. she has she has a lot of... How many stories does Sarah Jane have again? She uh, has... Was it three full seasons? She's got five, five, two sixes, and then two. So she's got 20... If, no, 22. Mm. No, that, is, that, is that right? Is that my maths right? Five, five, two sixes is 22. Yeah. And a two. Was two. Was that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a that's gonna be a lot. So yeah, I think I think we're gonna have to start keeping a running list <laughs> as opposed to doing it all like the week before. I, I apologize, I am completely wrong in that. It is two fives, a six and a two. Okay, that's eighteen. Yeah. I was getting confused because while she has less stories than Jamie, she has more episodes, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think that one's going to be interesting as well. But you know what? like I said, that's all in the future. Those are future ramblings. Mm-hmm. For today, look, let us know. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Pop us an email. What was your favorite John Pertwee story? And if you've been following along or if you were watching along, how do you rank the first three? Yeah. At the moment, mm-hmm. we're going one, three, two. Maybe someone might be two one three or two three one, or as Paul likes to take the piss out of me, three two one. Ted Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We will talk to you all Monday with robot. Yes, robot. Bye. Bye. Bye.